Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Today's reading is from 1 Chronicles 29, 10-18. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying... Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of of our fathers Abraham, Isaac and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Amen. Thank you, Louisa. So, yeah, keep that. Uh, you should have a sheet on your, on your, uh, on your chair. Do keep that. Um, I'm sure you've all come across someone who has uh, spoken frankly about a sensitive topic, and, uh, and maybe you thank them for them afterwards. Well, today my job is to speak frankly about a sensitive topic, financial giving to the local church. No one likes to talk about money. Let's uh, talk about financial giving to the church, but that's what I'm going to do. And it's important that we do it. At the beginning of this year, we're thinking about this idea of stewardship, that God has given us lots of things, and a steward is someone who doesn't own the things. They've been entrusted with the things to use them, so that the master is happy. So a steward doesn't own, but they are entrusted. They're given a, a, a responsibility for a season. And we're thinking last week, Maffrey did a great job of setting the series up. Today, we're thinking about money. Next week, we're thinking about our time. It's an interesting one. And the week after, we're going to think about our privileges. So today is God has given us money. We're to steward the money he has given us. And we're going to look at this passage from 1 Chronicles, which is a passage about when funds were raised to build God's temple in the Old Testament. And David is reflecting and praying and thanking God for the generous giving. And we're going to see three things. We're going to think through why give, how to give, and what to give. Three things. Why give, how to give, what to give. So why give? There's two reasons in this passage to give. Let me give them to you now. Because all of our money is from the Lord. We are stewards of His money. And two, because the Lord's work needs money, we are stewards of His good news. There are two reasons. Why give? Because all of our money is the Lord's money. We're only stewards of it. And because the Lord's work needs money, we're stewards of His good news. So firstly, all of our money is from the Lord. Now, I printed it. We didn't read it because it's lots of 
hard things to read. But on verses 1 to 9, you see this amazing, generous giving of the people, and particularly their leaders. And we'll think about that in a moment. But there's, there's lots and lots of giving in detail about the amazing generosity of these people to build the temple of God in the Old Testament. And then David prays, uh, and we just, Louisa read it so well for us there, and he says, praise be to you, the Lord, our God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, from yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power. This is verse 11. And on he goes, and on he goes. And what David is doing in those verses, verses 11 to 13, is he's recognizing that everything belongs to God. Just look at the words. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the majesty, the splendor. Everything in heaven on earth is yours, because he made it. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, wealth, and honor come from you. You are ruler over all, your head over all, in your hand is strength and power to exalt. So what David is saying is God made everything there is, and therefore everything there is in this world is His. And therefore, as, as well as all the, all the things He's given us, the glory, the majesty, the splendor, everything is God's. And so in verse 14, this is the verse when you come to think about financial giving. So look down there on, on the page. Verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we've only, we have given you only what comes from your hand. Since everything belongs to God, David says these people have given so generously to the building of the temple. Well, we only gave what you'd given us. It wasn't really ours in the first place. It was a gift. We hadn't earned it. We've been stewards. So why give financially to God and God's work on, the church, uh, on earth through the local church? Because ultimately everything you have is God's. Everything. Health, strength, wealth, family, connections, houses, cars, possession, everything. David says everything is from God. It's not yours. You don't own it. You don't deserve it. You haven't got it by right. You've been given it. You're a steward. Now, I have a confession. I have this bad habit that the family hate me for, which is when we're out and about, we might go for a walk or something, and then Jacob, or, you know, just say Jacob, he says, oh, Dad, you know, I'd, I'd, I just want a drink. I'm really thirsty. I want a chocolate bar. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't think I really want one. So yeah, I'll just get you a drink. I'll get you a chocolate bar. And then he gets the drink and the chocolate bar, and, you know, I bite him and then go to the shop. And then he starts eating, and I go, oh, now you're eating it. I do actually want a bit of that chocolate bar and a bit of that drink. And he's like, Dad, how low? And he gives me those eyes. I go, come on, just give me a little, I'll just take a little sip, a little bite. And as Leanne will tell you, there's no such thing as a little sip from Steve Vaughan and a little bite. So I take my little sip. But the point is, he gives me those eyes. And then he, he might even say, and he probably would, but Dad, it's mine. And I'm like, wait a minute. 30 seconds ago, we were walking down the street. You have no money. You said, Dad, I'm thirsty. I got my wallet out, went to the shop, and said, can we have a water and a, a chocolate bar? I got it, and I gave it you. That was 30 seconds ago, and you're going, Dad, it's mine. That's what we do to God. Everything we have is his. He gave it us, and we look back and go, no, but it's mine. I'm like, Jacob, I just gave it you 30 seconds ago. Now, he has a point. I did give it him. I shouldn't take it. But you get, my, you get the analogy in the story. David is saying, everything we have, God, we've given so generously to the temple. You can read it in verses 1 to 9. But he says, what did we give? We gave nothing. We only gave back what you'd already given us. Now, modern ears scoff at the idea that everything we have is a gift. We've earned it. We deserve it. We've worked hard for it. That's how we think. But wait a minute. What did you do to be born into the country you were born into? What did you do to receive the family background you received? 
What did you do to receive the brains, the intellect, the social skills, the business instincts, whatever you have? What did you do to, 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 to get those? What did you do to get the natural physical strength and abilities you have? And yes, even if you used your place of birth, your schooling, your family background, your brains, your social skills, your physical ability, your business savvy, whatever you naturally have, even if you disciplined yourself and trained yourself, who gave you the discipline, the motivation? It's all from God. David has the humility to see that, do you? Malcolm Gladwell has written a great little book called Outliers, and he basically talks about the, some of the leading uh, athletes and uh, academics. And uh, he looks back to their schooling and whether they're in the upper bit of the schooling or the lower bit in terms of their class, you know, their age. And he sort of tracks back that it, uh, kind of statistically that the top performers, it was really just because they were the older ones in the year kind of thing. It's that kind of a theory. And, uh, and so he's sort of saying you are much... Uh, you have achieved much less of your success than you think. It was just giving you. You're born at the right time in the right school, the right place, that kind of thing. And even if you think back to moments when you did pounce on something, you pounced on an opportunity, don't you look back and go, if that hadn't happened or that person hadn't done that or this hadn't fallen into place or I hadn't turned up on that day, there were these things that were kind of out of your control or all sort of conspired perfectly. And yes, you got an opportunity. Yes, you got your lucky break. But like it was a gift. And you listen back to sports stars or celebrities of kind, they say, oh, there was, they had these lucky break. In other words, there's lots of other people out there as gifted as I am, but they just didn't have the lucky break, i.e. the gift, that moment. We don't like to admit we have very little power over our lives. 95% of what sets the course of our lives is completely out of our control. The century and place you were born in, who your parents and family are, your childhood environment, your physical stature and appearance, your genetic hardwired talents, and most of the circumstances you find yourself in. In short, all we are and all we have is from God. We are not infinite creators. We are finite dependent creatures. We're not nearly as responsible for our success as we like to think we are. We are more limited and more finite than we'll admit. Or as the Bible says, we're recipients of grace rather than victors through our own strength. We like to think we're the masters of our fate, the captain of our soul. We're eager to attribute the success to our intellect and our savvy and our hard work. But it's a lie from the pride of man. David has humility to go, everything I have, everything we have, all this, it's not really ours. You gave it us and we're just, we're just giving it back. Why give to God financially and to God's work on earth through the local church today? Because all of your money is God's. We're just stewards of his money. Secondly, because the Lord's work needs money. We're stewards of his good news. Let me explain. The temple was a vital part of God's story of bringing salvation to the world. It was the place of his presence on earth. It was a place of relationship with God. It was a place of forgiveness where the sacrifices happened. It was a place where God's people met with God. It's what made Israel Israel. We have God's presence with us, and that is to sort of emanate out of us to the nations around. They were to be a light to the nations because God had brought his light right into their midst. But here's the catch, and most people miss it. They don't understand the context of 1 and 2 Chronicles. Some of you may never read these books. 1 Chronicles was not written at the time of David, about 1,000 B.C., that's when David lived, but rather 600 years later, around 400 B.C., to God's people who had just returned from a long and brutal exile to Assyria, Babylon, and then Persia. So the writer who's writing this passage about David raising funds for the temple is writing 600 years after David. Huh, interesting. Why did he do that? Here's what you have to know about the people that came back from exile. 
they'd come back from exile, they'd rebuilt the temple already, the temple was already rebuilt by the time this was written, they'd rebuilt the city walls under Nehemiah and Ezra, they'd repopulated their homes, they had their capital city, Jerusalem, back, they were back in the land. Yet despite all that, it was all rather unimpressive, unspectacular, and ordinary. None of the exciting and dramatic acts that they'd heard, you know, the crossing of the Red Sea, encountering God on the fiery Mount Sinai, the taking of the promised land and defeat of the enemies, none of that was happening to them. It was just, life was kind of, you know, I'm a follower of God and we're back in the land, we've returned from exile and we've got our city back and we've got built, built the temple and it's all a bit ordinary. Like living for God's just kind of mundane. It's, it's, it's not that. Are we God's people? Is God keeping his promises, the ones he made to David, to Abraham, to Isaac? I mean, yeah, w- w- what's happening? What are God's purposes when life often feels mundane and unspectacular? And to answer that question, about 400 BC, the writer of Chronicles pops up and says, let me answer that question. Let me tell you how you think life is very ordinary and mundane, but you are part of this amazing story of God through history, tracking back to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to David, and you have your part to play. It's, and the significance of the temple in that, because this is, you're the people that carry the presence of God amongst you to the nations. So 1 Chronicles 29, all about financial giving, was not, give, was not written so they'd raise money for the temple. It was already, it, the, the money had already been, the temple had already been rebuilt. It was written to help them understand the significance of the temple. What a big deal it was, all the money that had to be raised to build it. And that they were to continue to play their part as God's people of being a light to the nations. In other words, the writer to the chroni- uh, of Chronicles is saying to God's people, when life seems pretty unspectacular, ordinary, mundane, stay committed to what the temple's about. This is where God dwells on earth. You're stewards of this amazing presence of God in your midst. You're the place where the temple is the place where relationship with God happens, where forgiveness of sins happens, where you receive power to be my people, a light to the nation. You have a role. Stay committed to what the temple is all about. Now, We live in New Testament times. What happens to the temple in New Testament times? Well, Jesus becomes the temple. He's the place of God's presence on earth. He's the place where you relate to God. He's the place where you find forgiveness of sins. He becomes the light to all nations. And as we saw at Christmas, Magi come from all over the place to worship. All the nations are coming in. And once Jesus ascends and pours out his spirit, the church... 1 Corinthians 3.16 and a few other places, 1 Peter 2, we become the temple, the church, the place where God dwells on earth, the place where you meet with God, the place where we find forgiveness of sins, not so much because we are, but because we have God's presence through Christ and the Spirit amongst us. We carry God's presence every day. So just as the temple needed to be built in David's day, and the people of God need to be re-inspired to stay committed to what the temple was all about at 400 B.C., So in our day, we need to be strengthened and equipped when life might feel, living as a Christian might feel mundane, ordinary, is God still about? What about the spectacular stuff? I'm not seeing any of that. He says, stay committed and participate. Look at all the money that came in when David was there. We could do the same now if we wanted. Do you understand your place in this amazing story of God that you are now the place where God dwells on earth and he wants you to be a light to the nations? Let me speak very practically. It's money that means we can employ staff at the church. Ola, Vanessa, and Matthew. It's money that means we can rent this building every Sunday. 
It's money that means that we can go on training conferences. We went on a preacher's conference this week, myself, Justin, Andrew, Tutti, and Maffi. It's money that means we can run the intro course and give people that don't know Jesus an opportunity to look at the big questions of life. It's money that means we can put on the banquet and the summer party and the events we invite people to. It's money that means we can do all that God has called us to do in Dublin today, just as it was money that enabled them to build God's temple back in David's day. One Chronicle says, stay committed, and that might mean financial commitment. In fact, it will. God is working just as powerfully, maybe in different ways today. And think, again, very practically, thinking about the future. If we're going to continue to grow as a church, we're going to need to raise giving in the church. We are going to have to raise the giving in the church. Four things. To raise up more leaders, more interns, more apprentices, more staff. We'll talk to you in two weeks' time. We've just launched a student internship, which we're going to have to resource. That's with Katie and Andrew. We'll we'll share more about that. That needs money. A children's worker we're reviewing right now and hoping to employ in the coming months and someone hopefully to do youth work as well. A future pastor and church pla- or, or church planter, so we can have another congregation, maybe in the morning as we've got more kids and, and babies coming around and do morning church, or, or maybe at a different location. And a mercy ministry, we'd love to find a very practical and concrete expression of loving the poor and needy in Dublin, maybe through debt counseling and an organization called Christians Against Poverty or something similar. You know, they're the four things we're committing to, we need money for, as we look to the next year, two years, five years. Why do we do all this? Why? Because we've been caught up in a story. Going back to Abraham. That God said, I'm going to put my people on earth to be a light to the nations and bring my message to the ends of the earth that people might encounter Jesus and know him and through him find life and eternal life. 1 Chronicles 29, stay committed to the temple. The temple's already been built. Stay committed. What is the temple today? The church. Stay committed. Partner financially. Why give? Because all our money is from the Lord. We're stewards of his money. Because the Lord's work needs money. We're stewards of his good news. By the way, just as I mentioned financial giving, at the moment, and it's been our privilege and amazing blessing, Leanne and I take no money from the church. uh, And uh, that has just been an amazing door that God has opened for us over these first five years of being in Dublin, just a bit longer. And, uh, and that may continue. That might be the right path. But it may not be the right path for Leanne and I and our kids and how that, uh, you know, the impact that has on our lives, the intensity of having a full-time job and leading a church that's growing. And it may not be the right thing for the church, for you guys. We, you know, it might be good to have more of us, as it were. And Leanne and I at the moment probably do between us a day a week, which we, as I said, have the privilege we don't need to be paid for it. But at some stage, maybe it would be right to release us to do it in a more dedicated capacity. Maybe. We're going to take a six-week sabbatical in the summer where we really hope to discern what the next season looks for us and for you, and we want your involvement as we discern that. But if we were to become more uh, dedicated and put aside with funds to resource that so I could come away from full-time business, that would have a huge financial implication on the church. And so we need to think that through. And if it's not us, the way the church is wonderfully running at the moment is because we're raising other people. So we're still going to need the money for people to lead, to pastor, to organize, to disciple, to teach, to reach out. All that requires money. So why give? It's all from God. We're just stewards of his money. All the Lord's work needs money. We're stewards of his message. So how to give? Just really quickly as we finish up here. Four things you'll notice from the passage about giving. Firstly, they gave willingly. It says it five times in the passage. The writer tells us that the people in David's day gave willingly. When the Bible repeats anything in a short space, you should really pay attention. And he repeats it five times, of willingness. 
Uh, look at verse 17 with me. Just look down on the sheet there. David says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I see the joy, how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Do you see, it's willingness that God looks for when it comes to giving. Are you willing to do it? And then he says, you see that? The Lord loves integrity. He doesn't want you to give because you feel guilty. He doesn't want you to give because you've been pressured. He doesn't want you to give to appease your conscience. He, doesn't want, he wants you to give willingly because you've been caught up in a story that everything you have is from God and you have a part of, you're playing your small part and we're playing our small part in bringing God's message to the ends of the earth. It's not to boost our egos. It's not to alleviate guilt. It's not to fill us with pride. It's not because that's what other Christians do and I want to tick the box. It's because I'm willing. And God says, are you? I can see your heart and I love integrity. He knows your motives. Give willingly. And if you can't give willingly to Christ City Church and other great causes, why not? Come and talk to us. Or more importantly, talk to God. God wants a willing heart. Secondly, give humbly. Read verses 14 and 15 with me. Uh, 15 and 16, excuse me. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. David is the king. He doesn't have any sense of, you know, ego, does he? He knows everything is a gift. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for the building, you, a temple for your holy name, comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Since David knows everything is a gift, he gives humbly. There's no boasting. There's no bravado. There's no patting themselves on the back. It is just a, we're so humble. We, it's just, a privilege. Everything we have is yours. Give willingly. Give humbly. Thirdly, give generous, generously. We don't have time to read about all they gave verses 1 to 9, but I mean, the leaders and the families and the tribes, they gave generously because God had won their hearts. And there's this amazing surge of generosity, which we see at various points in the Bible. I was just, as I prepared this talk, I remembered a bit in there when the building of the tabernacle, which again is like a forerunner to the temple, and Moses, which was, you know, 500 or so years before David, had to say, stop giving. They were so generous. He literally says, we don't need any more. Go away, go away. I'd love to be able to do that. Hey, guys, just stop giving. You know, we're, we're good here. That's what, that's what, because there's moments when God captures hearts and you get what he's doing on earth and you have your part to play and financial commitment's part of that. So David, give generously. Fourthly, give because the leaders are leading by example in their giving. And what is interesting in this passage, apart from that little verse there, where, it was very, where in verse 17, uh, where it says, you're your people, all of verses 1 to 9, when we read about the giving, is actually about the leaders. Verses 2 to 5 is all about David and his giving. And he even says in verse 3, besides, he's already given, and then he says, besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything else I provided for his, this holy temple, he's already given, and then he gives his personal treasures, something that are obviously closer to him. And then, in verse, and, then, and then it goes on to all the different tribes that give, you know, verse 6, the leaders of families, the officers of tribes of Israel, and different tribes, different, it was the leaders that gave. And then in verse 9, just look in verse 9 there, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, their king, also rejoiced. So the writer is emphatically making the point to this people of, you know, this new generation that were maybe the leadership was struggling to lead with energy. And he's making the point that when it comes to giving, leaders must lead by giving generously, 
willingly, humbly. You want to be used by God? You want to be a leader in His church, this church, any church? You want to make an impact for the kingdom? God knows your heart. Give. Be a leader with your giving. If you're in leadership in Christ City Church in any shape or form, or you want to be used by God in this church in any way, shape, or form, whether you have an official title or not, you want to make a difference, you want to lead, God says give. Lead by giving. The Lord loves integrity. We read that already. So if you desire to be a leader, he's looking at your heart and says, what's your heart like? Are you really wanting to do this for me or for you? If it's for me, give me your money. <laughs> he doesn't quite say like that, does he, God? This is a much nicer. But you get the idea. Leaders must lead in every area, so give. And if you do, watch what God will do in other areas of this community. We secretly give our money, because that's how Jesus told us to give it. Give it secretly and give generously and all that stuff. And then watch the, the spiritual uh, uh, harvest we'll reap. Our community life will absolutely deepen as we commit financially. We'll become closer. We will. You start giving somewhere, you want to buy into that. Our, our discipleship, the, the, the joy of God's word, the filling of the spirit, the f- obedience to him. When you give, you're like, I want in. I want to grow in God. Our mission, we'll mobilize. Mission, we'll be out of, I want, I want this church to be effective in outreach. In leaders, I want this church to grow and multiply and plant. You start giving financially. What the, watch the spiritual harvest that comes. Watch. God loves integrity and he honors it. And when our hearts are loyal and our desires are strong for Jesus, and this is revealed through the concrete means of financial giving, watch what else he does in your life and our church. Just watch. That's what Malachi, a prophet writing the same time as the, uh, as the writer to the Chronicles, and he's writing 400 BC to this slightly depressed population. And he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me, God says. Try. Watch what else would happen in church life if everyone gave generously. Now, you might say to yourself, whoa, this is an intense talk. And wait a minute, the church, and there's lots of documented moments of this in Irish recent history, has done a really bad job stewarding people's money. How can I trust you, Steve, or the church? Or, you know, why should I give when the church has done so much damage here? It's a good question. Two things. Firstly, remember Israel had drastically failed, and the leaders had drastically failed. That's why they went into exile. And they're now given a second chance. God wants fresh trust. Of course, we can't be naive. We have to have all the correct accountability and priorities and transparency in place. I trust we do. If you don't think we do, come and speak to us. We want to be transparent. We want to be accountable. We'll have our AGM in about a month. You can ask. You can see all the gory details of our finance if you want. We are not hiding anything. And Leanne and I don't even know who gives. But whilst we mustn't be naive and we must put all the correct safeguards in place, which I hope we have, and if, we don't, if you don't think we have, talk to us, we need fresh trust in this area. We mustn't become skeptical, jaded, lethargic, unconvinced around financial giving to a church. It's a vital spiritual discipline. God calls you to it. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, this is an area where he says, you've got to trust me afresh. Start giving. That's what he's doing to this deep, depressed population. Start giving again like they did in the old days. So why give? Summary. Why give? Because all our money's from the Lord. We're stewards of his money because we're stewards of his message. Uh, the Lord's work needs money. How to give? Willingly, humbly, generously and with leaders leading finally what to give four simple points for you first of all something like if you're not financially given right now what's the call from the sermon today start 
Something. You decide, but start giving. Secondly, 10% is a principle we see from the Old Testament, but it's a principle, it's a guide. It's not our master, nor is it an endpoint. For some people, giving 10% of their money really isn't that generous and sacrificial, given the amount that you earn. And for some people, it's hugely generous and sacrificial, given the amount you earn or receive. So 10% is a guide, but it's not a master and it's not an endpoint. It's often a great place to start for many people. So if you're not sure to give, use it as a guide and think, could I get there if I can't? It's too much at this stage. Well, start. For some of you, you should be well over it with what you earn if you're doing it, if you're giving generously. Thirdly, if you're a student or unemployed or living off loans of any kind, yes, you need wisdom, but you should still give. Let me ask you this. Do you have money that you spend on yourself for pleasure? Socializing, holidays, drinks, pub, food out, anything. Don't kid yourself you don't have disposable income. You can give something. You might be able to give 10%. Yet you need wisdom. But trust me, if you can't give when you're living off a loan, you, you won't be able to give when you have money because it's about the heart. And if your heart won't give when you have little, it won't give when you have much. So stop making excuses and start. Fourthly, if you already give, thank you. I don't know who you are. That's a deliberate decision. We don't know who gives to the church. But I urge you, review your giving. Has your income increased? Could you give more? Or could you, out of a spiritual discipline, decide like to be a leader and give more, even if your circumstances haven't changed? Let me end with this. 1 Chronicles 29 is a lot about King David, the king, his generosity, his sacrifice, his joyful giving, even from his personal treasures. We just read it, verse 3. But this passage is pointing forward to the day when God's true king would come and would not give out of his personal treasures alone, but would give of himself fully, unreservedly, generously, sacrificially, joyfully. Our king left the wealth and security of heaven to come and be the temple on earth, the place where God's presence dwells. And he was very poor. He was born in an animal's feeding trough. He lived much of his life as a homeless man and a refugee. A refugee. He had no fixed abode. He had to rely on others for financial support. And just as he was born in poverty, so he died in poverty, naked on a cross, abandoned and rejected. Why did he do it? Because he wanted each of us to have access to God, the temple. Relationship with God. Forgiveness from God. And he wanted to deposit in us the presence of God so we could go and witness to our friends. Here's the point. King David's wonderful giving, as wonderful it was, was incomplete, partial, flawed, and temporary. And yet the people back then gave willingly. Our king's giving is complete, final, perfect, and eternal. How much more willing should we give to give into his temple, which nowadays is the local church? So why give? Because it's all God's money. Why give? Because his work needs money. Why give? Because the king gave himself for you. And an appropriate response is to say, Lord, what, I'm a steward of everything. If you gave yourself for me, what, what can I give back? So do you want to stand? We're going to sing to finish. The details of how you can give to the church are over there, or you'll receive an email tomorrow, or they're online. But I wanted to really motivate you today to think about why to give. Let me pray, and we're going to sing. Uh, about our generous uh, king and how can we respond to that. Let's take a moment, if you're comfortable, just close your eyes and uh, just think about your response to God um, and think about what it means to be a steward of everything that he's given you.
We thank you, Lord, that in the Scriptures we find these moments where you gave words to prophets and writers to inspire your people once again, who were living maybe in mundane or unimpressive times, to inspire them again of the story that they found themselves in. And I pray today, Lord, as we've thought throughout the whole service, that we are your people, as Pat was urging us at the beginning not to lose hearts, that we'd be inspired again, that we are your temple. We're the place where you dwell on earth. And we can offer this forgiveness. We can offer this relationship with God to others. And we thank you, Lord, that everything we have is from you. Teach us what it is to be stewards of that, not to claim it as our own, but to be wise and disciplined in how we steward it for others as other people's good and your glory. And we thank you now, Lord, as we sing to finish, that you're the great king of this universe, and yet you gave it all up. You became poor so we might become rich. And Lord, as we think about the people's giving in David's time to the response of their king, Lord, raise up in us a generous, a willing, a sacrificial giving financially in response to what you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name.